This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast with your host, Amanda Ann. And welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Amanda Ann, and today Mike and I are going to talk about The Eternals that is now out in movie theaters right now. You can go see it. It's, uh, you know, it's a pretty good Marvel movie. I know it's got a lot of mixed reviews, so we'll dive into that in a second. I do want to say that my YouTube channel is almost ready, so I will be providing my YouTube link in the description. It's just kind of going um, to have like a little makeover, a name change, and you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, and I plan on actually releasing my first video pretty soon. I'm going to be posting just, you know, reactions, and that's pretty much a lot of what my channel's going to be. It's just a lot of on-screen reviews, like I said, but it's just going to be a vlogging channel as well. I just want to have fun with it, so I'm really excited to get it going. And next weekend, there's actually not going to be an episode because we're going to be having a crazy weekend. We're going to be going to Chicago. We're going to be seeing the Frozen musical, which we were supposed to see last year. And because of COVID, you know, got canceled. So, and then, uh, you know, Thanksgiving with all that. So it's going to be a pretty hectic weekend, but I'll be back the weekend after Thanksgiving. And yeah, and there's a lot of Spider-Man buzz going on too. So make sure if you guys don't want any spoilers, I know I was telling Mike, just stay away from Twitter. <laughs> So, yeah, just a fair warning to anyone who doesn't want anything spoiled for Spider-Man. Just stay away from social media. Also, I finished You on Netflix. And it, you know what? Like, the first season really sucked me in. The second season was really good. But by the third season, I thought it was kind of getting a little repetitive. I it, it Overall, it's a really good show. I really enjoyed it. And I loved Victoria. I loved the main actor in it as well. The characters were just all great. I mean, they're, it's just psychotic and just everything is just crazy creepy. But, you know, I would definitely, I, I give it a gold star on Netflix. Well done. A lot of people love this show. So I can see why. And how weird and just effed up the characters are. I mean, whatever, like, you know, it's a show with likable characters and unfortunately these characters are likable. And I say unfortunately, because if you do, if you've seen the show, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I finished you. I'm actually almost done with Shit's Creek and I love that show. So, oh my gosh, like David is my favorite character. Like I love him. <laughs> and then I'm going to be starting American Horror Stories. So yeah, that's going to be fun as well. So, but anyway, without further ado, let's dive into the Eternals discussion. So as of today, I am recording on Friday. Today is Disney Plus Day and there's a lot of content, like an obscene amount of content that got announced today. So I'm actually going to be covering that in my upcoming YouTube video. So make sure you guys also keep an eye out on that. So Eternals. The cast has been the focus, I feel, of this film since the beginning, especially with a big name like Angelina Jolie as Thena. 
Gemma Chan as Cersei, Richard Madden as Icarus, and Selma Hayek as Ajax, which I still can't get over that name because it's just, that's a cleaning product. Ajax. <laughs> and then we also have Kit Harrington as Dane, and welcome to the MCU, Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> but honestly, I think everybody's performance in this film was pretty good. I very much liked, because I honestly thought Angelina Jolie was going to be, like, that character was going to be the protagonist of this movie, but she wasn't. It was Gemma Chan's character, Cersei, and I really did like Cersei. She was a great character, very powerful female lead. Another standout performance for me was Kumail Nanjani, and that character as well was pretty much the comedic relief of the film. I thought he was great. And it was just kind of like a dynamic shift that we kind of needed in something that was really just very much story heavy in this film. So, and he plays Kingo, kind of like a Bollywood actor on the side. Uh, yeah, I read originally that Angelina Jolie was only going to get like a small cameo as Thena. And then she ended up, you know, really liking the script and the director and like really wanting to bring the strong character to life and... She developed her own, like, fighting style, and she had a great time with the role, I hear. Yeah. Well, and it was good that she really did do a good job as Thena. And, I mean, we all know her, especially us Disney fans, as Maleficent. And she just has a really good, like, fierce facial structure. So she really brought the emotions of Thena as like, kind of like a trouble-conflicted character. She really brought that, like, just in her face. I, that's kind of hard to explain, but I appreciate Angelina Jolie. I mean, I'm not like a huge fan. Uh, I'm, I've only seen a couple pieces of her work, but yeah. I mean, overall, like I said, really great cast. Uh, and unfortunately, though, this movie kind of did not do good in the box office. I, I don't want to like put... It, it did still debut at $71 million domestically, so... Compare, though, to the other films, it tanked, basically. But there's a lot of mixed reviews about it. At first, when I came out of the theater, I, was, I wasn't really a big fan of the film. I told Mike, I was like, it was just a different vibe for a Marvel film. Coming out of Shang-Chi, that movie was great. I mean, there was every piece of an MCU film that makes it special was in Shang-Chi. So coming off that and going into this Eternals film with new characters, new introductions into the MCU, it was different. And I don't think I, but once I sat down and really thought of the story and the characters and the characters, like each individual character has a story to them, it all makes sense to me. And I started to really find myself like, okay, yeah, it was a decent movie. I was wrong. For me, it felt like the very first like adult take on superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Typically, when we think of adult superheroes, we think of something that's like a deconstruction of the superhero genre, kind of like Watchmen or The Boys or Invincible. And there's really not adult superhero storytelling within the regular superhero medium. And for this movie to have such a big cast and big characters and each character have their own their own backstory and their own motive and their own side of the conflict and it was told in a very adult way and it wasn't 
it wasn't something where you were laughing, you know, every ten, five minutes with a, with any other Marvel film. Like, it was, like, a seriously toned movie, and I really appreciate that, because one of the, for me, one of the biggest gripes I have with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is how they'll just undercut their their more dramatic moments with, like, a little dash of laughter. Like, you can watch Captain America the Winter Soldier, and it's at the very climax of the film where Captain America decides that he's going to stand up to Hydra, and he doesn't care if it's going to cost him his country or this organization that he's uh, held to a high standard like S.H.I.E.L.D., or if it's going to cost him, you know, his friendship with Bucky, he's going to stand up. And he's going to fight for what's right. And right after he delivers this ama- amazing speech to motivate people, Falcon's right there. And he's like, hey man, did, did you write that in the way here? Or did you practice that? And it's like, let the dramatic moments sink in. Let, let's let's feel something when we go like to the movies. So it was, it was like a true piece of cinema for me. Yeah, I know you kind of had that problem with Thor Ragnarok. Because you have Ragnarok, which is like a serious, catastrophic apocalypse to a planet. But Taika Waititi... See, Thor Ragnarok's one of my favorite Marvel films. I watch it. It's like my comfort movie. I have it on in the background all the time. Like, I love it so much. But, you know, you, you thought... Like, especially... And I do agree with you. Like, Thor's friends just get... They just get stabbed and that's it. Fandral and them. They just, you know... So, yeah, I agree with like your opinion on like that and the humor in the MCU to me though, that's what kind of draws me into the story because it makes the characters more human. And yeah. So I think that's kind of what I missed in this. It, but deep down, these characters do have like troubled histories. I mean, cause they're like thousands and thousands of years old and they form their own relationships. They have their own trouble outside of being like an eternal. So, at the end of the day, these characters really do have personality to them. And I just, like I said, I had to stop and just really think about this film. Why I wasn't nuts about it. And then I just kind of realized, like, you know what? For what it was, and, like, the story, and it just, it did make sense to me. And it didn't feel like an MCU film to me, but it worked still. And, you know, we'll probably see more of these guys in the future. Right, so we're going to do a little spoiler review here. It's been out over a week, so if you haven't seen it, just be warned. We're going to probably spoil some things. But they are pretty much like the protectors of Earth, but their job is to only fight the deviants. That was another thing, too, that really like got me thinking, because I was like, where were you guys with all these problems going on? And even somebody asked them, why didn't you help when Thanos did the snap? And they were like, that's not our job. That's not our problem. Like, you humans have to figure it out yourselves. And I thought that was really interesting because it was, because I, like, half the movie, I'm like, you mean to tell me these guys could have just stopped Thanos? For real? Like, come on. These guys are hiding, they're, like, undercover and then they get called back into action. As Amanda was saying, the Eternals are like the protectors of Earth. And they only protect the Earth from one thing, and that is the Deviants. And the Deviants and the Celest- and the Eternals both go back to like the dawn of the Earth, where the, uh, the Celestials created the Sun, 
and then create and then life emerge on earth and pr to protect and to make life thrive on earth the celestials created the deviants so that the deviants could wipe out all of the the bigger predators on earth and on these other planets so that intelligent life could thrive but as all creations do they got out of control and they they basically not their own purpose and started attacking intelligent life as well and they got out of control so the celestials created these i guess they're eternals i guess they're robots yeah they're androids they're synthetics they're i don't think they are alive i i really don't know what they are just kind of like clones of these beings that they they have copies of themselves but like if one quote unquote dies they're not going to have their memories like their memories get wiped and like the reincarnation is basically like themselves but no memory i don't know if that makes sense but yeah it's just then it's just them trying to go against their who, who's the um big red guy yeah so erishim is basically like their boss but he's like the creator of the eternals but they are like, wait a minute, his purpose isn't what it's cracked up to be. And we lose in the long run. We want to keep what we have right now. We want to keep the relationships we have. We want to keep who we have in our lives. We want to remember all this. So they turn their backs on him and form the group again and get the gang all back together. But I have to say, I am Team Makari. Yeah, so the internals realize that their purpose is actually more of a lie and it's a huge falsehood and they realize that they're only there to help the population of the planet grow to a peak point where the celestial inside of the earth can harness the life energy of the planet and then kill the earth in the process of being born so the internals of course have lived on earth seven thousand years and they've witnessed you know the dawn of mankind, all of mankind's tri all of mankind's triumphs and, and tribulations and trials, and they know that we're a strong species and that we we have the means and the wills to survive. Um, Ajax, of course, said that the Avengers, the humans, of course, brought back half of all life in the known universe with a snap of their fingers, and that they are worth saving. So Ajax is unfortunately taken out of the picture, and it is up to Gemma Chan slash Cersei to take the mantle as the lead Eternal and to guide these Eternals in their mission either against or with the sort of prime directive of the, the Eternals and the Celestials and the Deviants. You know, Tima Makari, she's a fantastic actress, and she's deaf, right? She, she's actually uh, deaf in real life. Yeah, and I thought that was great to kind of have that... Inclusiveness in the movie. It was great to see a character who has a different means of speaking than the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the other characters. Yeah. And how great was it that the characters, like, communicated with her via sign language? And she was, like, the speedster. She can run 
so fast. So she was really great. I really liked her. And I liked her relationship with uh, Druig, if I'm saying that character's name right. He's played by Barry Co- Keegan, if I'm pronouncing that name right. Once again, I'm really bad with names. <laughs> but I really like those two characters' dynamic. And I don't know if they became a couple in the end, but, you know, I just really got, like, a sibling vibe more so from them. I don't know. But, yeah, I just, I love those two. I love their teamwork with each other. It was great. That was probably my favorite part of the whole film was just seeing those two working together. My favorite part of the film was definitely, it had to do with um, Druid watching humanity grow and like really wanting to intervene and to help all these people through their trials and tribulations and you know him kind of having that internal conflict with his eternal mission to just protect the earth from deviants and not interfere and not to interfere with uh humankind in their affairs um i really do love makari as well like like story and, and plot aside, she was she was my favorite Eternal, and I love speedsters. I made a whole movie about a speedster, <laughs> and uh, to have a speedster with that type of dynamic where she's deaf, so she really can't hear everything around her, and when she runs, she creates these like sonic booms, but she's deaf, so they they don't affect her. But what she can do is she can come to, like, a sudden stop, like, right in front of somebody, and just the air behind her just whooshes into the person mm-hmm. in front of her and creates this, like, big sonic blast. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, visually, she was she was one of the coolest eternal powers. Shameless plug. Check out Meg's movie Mock on YouTube. <laughs> That's your shameless plug, not mine. <laughs> right. Um, who else had really interesting powers... From a visual standpoint, was Gemma Chan Cersei? Oh, Cersei, yeah. Who could do matter manipulation, and she could turn, she could touch anything, rearrange the atoms and molecules in it, and make it into something else. So she can turn living beings into trees. She can turn sand into wood. She can turn water into rock. She can turn. Uh, celestials into stone mm-hmm. she can do all sorts of cool things and um there's this great there's this great shot where a, a bus flips over and is about to to crush some people and cersei just reaches out her hand and turns it into like rose petals or something mm-hmm. and it's, it's so cool like like the particle systems and and the animation and the visual effects were really top game for cersei's powers yeah, and once again, too, it goes back to showing that a character is very personable because Cersei is dealing with, she's in love with a human, Dane, who's played by Kit Harrington, and, you know, she worries about he's going to get old and die and she's still going to be the same living on forever. So and that, that really messed with my head because it's like, yeah, how would they do that? <laughs> And she's a robot on top of all that. So, like, how do they do that? It's like Jane with Thor. It's like Thor, you know, Thor will outlive Jane. Well, I mean, we'll see in Love and Thunder. But, you know, it's just these human different, I'm not going to, I don't know, God, other living beings 
forming these relationships, it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, this is messing with my head. <laughs> We've got to talk about the protagonist slash antagonist slash antihero slash betrayer Icarus. Oh, Icarus. Oh, my God. I, I didn't like him from the start. So when he was, like, just a betrayer, I'm like, mm, I can see that. Well, you originally called him a, a discount Superman, so how do you feel? That was, that was kind of your initial reaction. How do you feel after letting that sell in? Do you feel like he's um, uh, a different take on Superman? Do you feel like he's a completely separate character? Like, how do you feel now that you've let the movie settle in? I kind of still feel like that. I don't know. I just thought the whole him flying... I mean, he didn't have a cape, I don't think. But it was just like him flying, him with the laser eyes and stuff. I'm like, this is Superman. And he even looks like Superman. Richard Madden and Henry look kind of look similar. So I'm like, what? What am I watching here? <laughs> is this Eternals? Is this Marvel? <laughs> but yeah, I honestly, I didn't really like the character too much. But I think that's what the point was. You knew he was gonna be a douche, basically. It was it was great to see. Um, well, Superman is originally supposed to be Earth's mightiest hero, and he's he's from another planet, and he comes to Earth, and he he protects us against extraterrestrial threats. And Icarus was kind of like a different take on that, where he was an extraterrestrial, and he came to Earth, but he is on the side of the extraterrestrial threats and he is he is not like a polished boy scout like superman mm -hmm. he does share the same powers but he is a vastly different character and i thought it was a refreshing take on the superman trope and another interesting thing about him is that when ajax died they made cersei into the leader of the eternals and the other eternals were like Man, Icarus, you're the strongest, most powerful one out of all of us. Why aren't you the leader? So you know something was wrong. I'm like, yeah, why isn't he? But then again, I just had like, maybe it's just his ego. Maybe he's just this like macho man that thinks he's high and mighty. That That's why they gave it to Cersei because Cersei's just kind of gentle and with everybody, with all the Eternals. So I don't know. I don't like him. <laughs> I think on, I think... Cersei was the correct choice for the leader of the Eternals after uh, Ajax died. Ajax was kind of like a diplomat and a politician, and she knew how to play the game. She was kind of playing Erisham. She was kind of playing both sides of Erisham, and she was kind of coyly playing along, but she had her plan to betray him mm -hmm. eventually. Um, and it wasn't until Icarus showed up and kind of nixed that plan that it didn't follow through, but Cersei was the empathetic, the the person in love with a human. She was, she was the best choice for a leader. What do you think, Amanda? Yeah, I totally agree with that, and especially how she like always looked out for Sprite, who is the youngest Eternal in the group. She really had like a motherly vibe towards Sprite. So, and and I know like Sprite, she was very troubled, and her decisions weren't the best in this film. But at the end of the day, Cersei really did come through for Sprite. So Amanda, you're 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 a ginormous Loki fan, as we all know, <laughs> um, and you absolutely adored 
the different variants of Loki in episode five of, of Loki with, mm-hmm. you know, classic mm-hmm. Loki, President Loki, and, uh, of course, Kid Loki, who is a teenage trickster. Now, Sprite is interesting in the fact that she shares the same kind of immortality and trickster betraying aspects of Loki. How do you feel she stacks up against Loki? She doesn't stand a chance. No. I'm just kidding. No, honestly, I don't think Loki stands a chance against her because she's an eternal. He's a god. I mean, that's probably the first thing. If they were ever to meet, that would probably be the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, I'm a god. You know, you don't have anything against me, but all she would have to do is just, you know, do whatever and show him. Because what, are Eternals, are they, are they the greatest, like, beings in the world? Like, would they suppress a god? Like, I don't know. It sounds like an interesting question that needs to be answered, Kevin Feige. Like, we need to see some Asgardians versus Eternals immediately. Yeah. And what do you guys think? I'm genuinely, like, we're genuinely curious what everyone thinks about this. So, please let us know in the comments. (laughs) I do wonder now, in hindsight, looking back at the Loki series and seeing just that first episode of Loki going through the sort of bureaucracy and the, uh, the waiting line of the TVA. And one of the questions is, are you a robot? And Loki's like, oh, how do I know if I was a robot? And here we have these characters yeah. who are robots who don't know they are robots. So is the TV is even the TVA afraid of the Eternals? That's a really great question. I don't know. And it's like if the Eternals were to do any, like, are the Eternals immune to the Time Variance Authority? Oh my God, you guys! <laughs> Overall, I mean, and. I was just talking to Mike, too. I just... It's hard to remember a lot of the stuff that happens in this film because there's just so much to it. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of just story... Different storylines. And they all come into one big conflict at the end. And I'm actually... It's hard to, like, remember a lot of this stuff. And I I mean, I'm definitely going to do a second viewing of it. I don't know about you, Mike. But... Yeah, make sure, though, you stick around for the end credit scenes. We have a newcomer to the MCU, and honestly, you guys, I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know. This comes right off the heels of the Wicked the Musical casting of Ariana Grande as Glinda. No hate towards Ariana. I actually really do like Ariana as a performer and a musician, but that's what she is. But it's like her acting is not up to speed. And so that's another story for another time. But Harry Styles is introduced into the MCU now. He's like Thanos' brother, as he was titled. And once again, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Everyone's psyched about it. And, I mean, I'm willing to give him a chance. I don't really know him that well. And I've only, I only know, like, one Direction songs because they used to play at work all the time. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Um, well, upon research of Star Fox and of Eros, knowing that they cast Harry Styles, I think, is actually kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Given that Harry Styles is such a sought-after and um, swooned-after man, and that, you know, he's attractive and he's got charisma, 
And that's going to play into Star Fox's strength as being this kind of, like, ladies' man in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I actually don't have any problem with pop stars becoming actors. Um, and you'll say, oh, you know, they can't act, they can't do this. Uh, look at Brie Larson. That's true. Brie Larson was uh, a pop artist who became an actor uh, who just got, like, you know, side roles and... This, that, this and that roles. Now she's a leading lady in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And she is a glowing goddess of Captain Marvel. And she's got an Oscar for Best Actress in the Room. So just give him a chance. I understand, you know, a lot of us are, are kind of in love with, like, the nostalgic idea of pop stars from our area. And we never give the new ones a chance. Just Just give him a chance. Like... Maybe he'll do good, maybe he'll do great, maybe he'll do bad. Either way, if he doesn't perform well, you know, there's lots of other stuff to explore in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. They can just push him aside if he doesn't work. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe has demonstrated that if it doesn't work, they'll fix it. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Mike. Because immediately I just think of, oh, just a kid from One Direction now. Like, get the fangirls going. <laughs> but... You know, it, it, yeah, you're right. And especially Brie Larson, I, I just found out, too. You told me not too long ago she was a pop singer. I didn't know that, so that's interesting. But, yeah, post credit scene, and then there was one more, right? Makari and Druid go off to find other Eternals in the world. So that's when they stumble across Harry Styles' character. And he's an Eternal as well. But then... The last end credit scene features Kit Harrington's character as, once again, as Dane, Cersei's boyfriend, and he pulls out this ancient sword. And we hear a voice in the background, and, I mean, I didn't know who the voice was, but everyone in the audience, like, some people, like, this guy behind me immediately was like, oh my god, that was Blade. <laughs> so, I guess this is gonna tie in with Blade. For me, Blade was very much uh, a series of movies in the early 2000s, and the third one has Ryan Reynolds in it. Um, I, I don't remember a lot of them. I, I can't even recall which ones I've seen, but I do remember Blade being kind of a bigger character on the 90s animated Spider-Man series, and him having a direct confrontation with Mobius, the living vampire. So... If Mobius comes over to the MCU, or whatever universe he's in right now, I can't tell by that trailer. But if he does come over, hopefully he'll get uh, a scene or two, or maybe a movie, or whatever with Blade. And it looks like Kit Harrington slash um, Dane Whitman is going to become the the Black Knight. Um, as Again, I'm not too familiar with that character, so interesting to see where that goes i'm of course a huge fan of kit harrington's from game of thrones i thought Jon snow was was a great character and he was always kind of uh the guy who always stood up and did the right thing in that terrible terrible medieval fantasy landscape that was westeros so i'm excited to see uh kit harrington pick up a sword again um and have some fun with it. It'll be nice to see the vampire side of Marvel, because 
Marvel drops hints of vampires in the universe, but we never really see them. So this will be interesting. So final thoughts on the movie. I'd go see it. Definitely. I would suggest, I was just telling my dad, give it a chance. Uh, I know he probably won't go, I mean, even if you guys wait until it comes out on Disney+, Plus, if you're on the fence about it, it's worth a viewing. I wouldn't, like I said, if you are waiting, like you don't want to go to the theater and whatever, you, you know, you go ahead and wait for Disney+, Plus for it to stream, and, but when it does, definitely watch it. Well, I'm a hardcore Marvel fan myself, and I, I really did enjoy this film. I, like I said, I've enjoyed the adult take it was inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I understand. I, I saw it with Amanda and my parents. My parents were kind of lost the whole time because the movie's not told chronologically, and there's lots of characters, and the motivations, and, and the, the character arcs are very complicated and nuanced, and it's a lot to take in. So here's my recommendation: if you if you're if you're interested and you're a diehard movie fan, Marvel movie fan, go see it in theaters. It's beautifully shot. the The landscapes in this movie, the space scenes, they look great. Watch it in the theaters when it comes out on Disney Plus in whatever forty five days. Sit down, watch it again. Really understand everything that's happening in that movie, and I'm sure you'll have a more defined opinion on your second viewing, as I'm sure I will too. But um, yeah, if you are a if you are a hardcore Marvel fan, check it out. If you're a casual fan, wait until Disney Plus comes out, where you can watch it and then immediately jump on Google and mm-hmm. read everything that you need to to understand the movie. Yeah, and it's like I said, I had to take like a full week to really register the film because I, like I said, I wasn't too crazy about it. But then I just started really looking up the characters, you know, diving even a little bit into the comics to see what the the characters are all about. So, you know, that's how I kind of form my opinion. So that'll do it for this week. And yeah, I hope you guys actually have a great week. Like I said, I am actually taking some time off next week, but I will be back the weekend after Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you guys all eat a lot. And in the meantime, I will be posting videos on YouTube. So again, the link is in the description. So make sure you subscribe, whatever you need to do. And yeah, I will talk to you guys later.